today we have a very special guest, uh, Jessica Slate, Jay Slate, Jess, whatever you want to be called, but we like Jay Slate. Jay Slate. I, I like Jay Slate. I love I like Jay, Jay Slate. Slate. Jay Slate that fits it right is. in with the team. So, sounds like a superhero <laughs> or you know, like Jay Slate. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. dope last name. Honestly. It works. It works. <laughs> um, you want to give us a brief intro for yourself? Yeah. Um, so I've been working in sports for years. I now have my own company, The Slate House, uh, leaning into the, the power of that last name. But um, I work with professional athletes. I manage their digital media. I manage projects for them. So that could be charities, um, digital media for their businesses, um, retail projects, really anything that they need to be successful off the court, off the field. Um, I kind of fill in some of that, you know, day-to-day personal assistance really um, could be limitless. So I worked with teams, I worked with leagues, um, and just got to the point where didn't really want to worry about ticket sales or or general fans and stuff, but wanted to make sure that the athletes had a platform to showcase their interest and their dreams and then helping them do that with, you know, those skills I had from all that history. So that's separate from like an agency, right? Like we're, okay. Yeah, so um, I could probably fall under an agency at this point. Um, I haven't hired employees just because a huge part of the reason I get projects and get hired is because they're hiring me, not necessarily Mm -hmm. my business. Mm -hmm. Um, The business really is more of a a formality. But um, no, I think I would probably more come into an agency as like a freelancer or a contract to help their athletes with the stuff that they're not doing day to day. So I'm not doing contracts. I'm not um, helping them with their um, brand deals too much. Sometimes, you know, I'll kind of give them advice, but I'm not out here reaching out to companies like, hey, this athlete needs that. Um, But then once they get those brand deals, they need help making the social media or keeping up with those deals. And I step in off that that type of stuff. Okay, so I'm going to rewind a little bit. Let's talk about because I kind of looked up your resume and everything. It Mm -hmm. seems like the position you're in is not an easy position to get into. I think we all know that any sure. any time sure. where you're dealing with professional athletes. Um, let's talk about, I know you're from California, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, how did you get to the point where you even got? Because I saw that you had a bunch of different internships all over the place, you know, uh, other work experience to finally branch off to get into what you're, the Slate House, being the CEO of the Slate House. Yeah, so I think the big thing is, especially in school, and I I knew I always wanted to be in sports, but they really teach you, like, you have to get on this ladder, and if you want to go into broadcasting, you start in a really small market, and then you work your way up, and eventually you're on ESPN. Um, For me, I think I approached it a lot more the way people approach being an athlete, and so I was less concerned with um, the ladder and more concerned with, like, being the best utility player. So... When you're not supposed to jump around from job to job, I would do a job for a year and then I'd change and I'd go from like videography to social media. So now even if I'm in social media and I need a videographer, I know how to like make requests or how long it takes to edit things. So I'm not asking for things like too short term. Um, and so I went from all these different jobs and was a lot less concerned with like what my title is or where in five years I will be on the track to be a vice president or something. I was more concerned with Am I coming to work and making an impact? And am I helping the people around me? And that's just evolved over years as I've, I've found different ways to help people and, you know, where I fit in with that. Did you play sports also growing up? Yeah, I played um, volleyball and soccer mostly, you know, as a child. And then I played club volleyball in college, but I went to Texas. So they have, you know, one of the top three volleyball programs every year. Um, part of Texas? Uh, University of Texas at Austin. Okay. And... Um, so I played club there, but I was always smarter than I was athletic. <laughs> so I knew I wanted to go someplace where I was around really good sports and that had really good programs and people to learn from. So I worked with Longhorn Network there. Um, a lot of my teachers had been, you know, really involved. They weren't just teaching. They had, you know, spent time at NBC or different stuff like that. So um, that was really helpful. By the time I graduated, I'd already had so much experience with working for ESPN and Fox Sports oh, that awesome. um, I really had a leg up. So you uh, you mentioned, um, you know, you talk about the importance of being able to help others and like what you're doing with digital media. Are you able to like explain the, like the importance of, of what you're doing as far as like for these athletes, especially like professional athletes? Because like 
with their platform, like social media is like pretty big and we can all like attest to that because it's their marketing, it's their brand and it's their ways of like building like, you know, endorsements and all these deals. Are you able to like go into depth on that? Yeah. So I think <clears throat> the big thing with social media is it definitely has a bad rap for, you know, it can be toxic and it can be bad for body image mm -hmm. or, you know, on the sports side, they're getting all kinds of comments of hate and um, criticism on their mm -hmm. game. It could be anything. Zion gets stuff on his body. So that's definitely the negative side of social media. Mm -hmm. The other side is it's your personal microphone. Mm -hmm. So they have their mm -hmm. team speaking on their behalf. They have <coughs> Stephen A. Smith speaking on their behalf. They have all of these different outlets talking about them. Mm -hmm. Their personal social media is their only place they get to be their authentic selves and showcase the things they're interested in, the things they care about, um, you know, how they actually feel about their game or, you know, other things in society. And so I can help them, you know, not have to worry about, like, is this going to perform well on social media? It's just how do you, what message are you trying to do or mm -hmm. what are you trying to showcase to people? And then how can I make it easier for you to do that? And when you say that, like, uh, for example, like if you're representing O and O say, I want to post this on my social media, does he need your approval for that? And like, or can he just post it and you guys can kind of just like maneuver like on how it is going to affect my platform? Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's all very case by case. And I think that was a big part of why I liked being to work independently is mm -hmm. there's no cookie cutter format of like, this is what our agency does. Every athlete gets this package and this type of consultation. I really work with them on what they specifically need. So some guys I'll have the login to their accounts. I will just kind of go day to day as them. I'm not even sure if some of them have the login to those accounts. Um, obviously, I tread lightly. I text Undisclosed them if, information right there. I, if I need to um, run certain things by them, I would controversy. You know, just the day-to-day -day, um, filler stuff of, like, maybe posting throwbacks or uh, retweeting stuff that fans tag them in. They then have the freedom to still post whatever they want in between that. Um, because it's not like a team where they're scheduled game day posts and stuff. You know, it's still as organic as they want it to be. Other times it's helping them get the content. So, um, you know, I pulled these 14 photos from your last game. Um, these are the five I'd recommend. This is the caption I would use or something in this direction. Um, like a good example of that is the Drake album drop. So I was like, maybe I'm not going to tell you which lyric applies to your life right now, but like, those types of lyrics. Oh, you would, go like that. Yeah. Oh, that's so, dope. Like, okay. That's cool. That's, that's you know, I you you know how exploded. you're feeling in yeah. this moment, but if you could find one of those feelings in her loss, that would be great because that'll do better. I'm gonna hit you up. Um, yeah, so stuff like that, where then I can you know just text it to them and they don't have to think about like, oh, where do I go find that dunk photo? Like I do the work for them and then give it to them and then they can post it when they want. Mm -hmm. um, they can reply to the comments. They cannot reply to the comments. So I'm not ever really telling them you need to do this. Like, mm -hmm. it's absolutely critical because at the end of the day, it is social media. It's not make or break. Um, some of the other stuff, like their businesses, they really just hand over to me as if it was any other social media department. So I'll make the graphics. I'll edit the videos and just run the account as if it's a business. So do you create all the graphics in video editing yourself or do you have a team or like a freelance uh person that you work with and be like, hey, I need this done by this certain time. And you're just kind of like overseeing everything as a CEO of the Slate House. Yeah, um, kind of both. So um, I, again, with that history of working in all those different positions, I can do the editing, I can do um, the photography, I can get the content. So for some people, I kind of do A through Z and I do everything for them. Other people, they might have a photographer. So it's just my job to get the photos and then figure out how we're packaging them. Um, I also try and keep like a Rolodex. So a lot of working in sports in general is networking. And so finding photographers whose work I really like, who I enjoy working with, who, you know, doesn't move weird around athletes, um, stuff like that. And then keeping in touch with those people. So if I'm in Miami, I know a really good photographer we can work with. Or if we're in Cleveland, I know a really good like videographer, yeah, stuff like that. So that um, one, I'm not only giving them like, oh, all my photographers are in L.A. You have to pay all this money to fly them out. My my goal is to always make them spend the least amount of money and have it be the least um, stressful. So if you're constantly worried about all these outsourced people versus like, oh, we did a shoot in Philly once and the stu I found the studio, I found a photographer and I found all the clothes and stuff. All he had to do was show up. Mm -hmm. 
So um, make it really as easy for them as possible without even like trying to spend. There's no budget because the goal is to always make it as cheap as possible. So that's kind of cool that the concierge, you really bring that to life Mm -hmm. because I've worked uh, in insurance before and there's like the concierge team and it's like you do every. You could lift up a call and literally have something you've never heard of yeah. and have to find a solution for that. Um, I think that's so cool. Um, it's fun. So I have a question for you. Have you ever had a situation uh, kind of like the Kyrie situation where, like you said, their social media, it has a platform, right? People are going to be watching you with like, hey, what is they, what are they saying? But athletes, I'm assuming also, I mean, they're human, right? So it's like, this is my account. It's like away from the NBA. So I want to post what I want to post, right? Or what I'm feeling. Um, and a side note, if you ever want to find your emotion, Drake albums or where you find them, right? <laughs> no, seriously. That was, that was, that's A1. Yeah. Her? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but have you ever encountered well, that situation? Can, can you talk to us a little bit about that? And then uh, how did you resolve or like talk to us about it? Yeah, so I, I don't think I've ever had anything quite as public as the Kyrie situation, nor do I think most people have, because he's treading in such unknown waters um, as far as, you know, the league actually getting involved in something like a retweet. But, um, no, I mean, there's definitely occasions where we've reposted things or they have an idea they want to go into, and I'm like, you know, we do need to take this into consideration. And a lot of times I also have to be um, outsourcing my information because I know that I – you know, can educate myself on as many things as I want, but I still have my perspective. So um, we did a bunch of stuff when I worked for a team on um, the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff. I obviously do my education, but I'm having a very different experience than our players are or the community are. And so reaching out to people to make sure that the captions I'm putting aren't insensitive, but they're not so dramatic that I'm making some things bigger than they need to be or whatever it may be for the circumstance. I think um, in situations, you know, like Kyrie's and stuff, you can't always anticipate where there might be something controversial. I think a lot of it then in the aftermath or when you realize that something didn't land the way you thought it would is to, you know, reach out to people to overly communicate and, um, you know, just to be open to, to all the different perspectives that you can, um, because it is very easy to forget that even if we all look the same or we have the same interests, that we do have so many different perspectives that um, all are looking at this, you know, one tweet or this one Instagram post on social media. It's not going to all be people that think and, you know, do things the same way as you. Yeah, I feel like especially any athletes, influencers, artists, they're under a magnifying glass, and when they have that big, uh, big of a following, every little thing, met, like people overanalyze the word "the." Oh my God, they said, "Like, what does that mean? What are they trying to tell us?" You know, it was the, not the. <laughs> you know, little <laughs> totally. things like that. So it's cool that you take all that into consideration. Um, with that being said, I kind of want to know, like, how does someone even reach out to you? And like, let's say, can you walk us through a consultation? How do how do people discover the Slate House? How do they? You know, what's the process like when they sit down with you, talk about that, um, and kind of see where where to go from there? Yeah, it's a very unique kind of role because you are somewhat in the shadow. So I can't just get a billboard that says, like, hey, NBA players, if you need help, um, call this number. So a lot of it is word of mouth. It's some form of networking. So I spent a long time, especially in journalism and with that same in front of the camera mentality that we were just talking about, that you have this image to uphold. So I was really concerned about what rooms I was in, who I was socializing with, and how that could be misinterpreted. Now that I work for myself, and I know that the people that are hiring me don't make those same assumptions, I am constantly putting myself in social positions or um, in rooms that, you know, the people I'm marketing to are there. So it's not going to be a business conference. And, um, you know, figuring out ways. Once I, I have a lot of friends already just from years of being around the NBA. So if I have the opportunity, we go to a birthday dinner. And there's other NBA players there. Um, one, I'm always, you know, my best way of using a business card is not to just tell somebody who I am, but to be that's, you know, that version of myself. So 
if they want to do a team dinner and I'm around, I'll organize it all. I'll make sure everything's taken care of. So instead of telling them that I do these concierge services, mm-hmm. they see, they're like, oh, who who got this reservation for 15 in the last 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. at STK on a Saturday night? It's like, oh, I did that. Yeah. So I don't have to sell it to them. I can just show them with my actions. actions. Speak loud in the words. And yeah, so awesome. that's kind of part of it. And then the big thing is once you kind of build this reputation, if you want to call it, of the players that I have to work with, you know, highly respect me, then that type of work showcases to the other players. So their teammates see, oh, like, he has a great time with uh, the person he works with on his social or personal assistance or his charity. Um, they will gladly share that information. So kind of, again, leading into the action so that that type of performance is doing the marketing for me instead of me having to go out of my way and pitch myself to people. So it's more so like word of mouth. Yeah, so word of mouth, but um, again, if somebody's like, oh, what do you do? I'll explain it to them and then try as quickly as possible to prove it to them. Mm. So sometimes that's not a professional skill. Sometimes that's trust or um, just people skills, Mm -hmm. things that aren't super easy to learn if, you know, learnable at all. But they're things that are really critical to have this type of role around athletes. Mm -hmm. And so being able to be available 24-7 if they need a gym at 1 Mm a.m. in a city they don't live in. Or if they need, um, you know, social media stuff edited last minute because they forgot about a brand deal and Mm -hmm. they have till tomorrow where they don't get paid. So having that availability, stuff like that, um, that if someone does pass on my contact or I meet them, um, they don't have to worry about having those formal consultations and, like, sitting in a a meeting. But – that we can just get the ball rolling immediately and do what we need to do to help them. So it sounds like you don't get much sleep. <laughs> I get more I get more sleep than you think I would. <laughs> there most of the guys I work with are pretty self-sufficient. So every once in a while it'll be it'll be pretty random, but then again, I don't have a 9 to 5. So like mm-hmm. if we have a late night because we're doing stuff or I'm helping with like concierge stuff, I can sleep during the day. So oh, <laughs> it nice. all it all evens that out. Makes sense. All right, so uh, piggybacking off the word of mouth, let's say, all right, um, you know, I've been working with you. Q's my teammate. I just told him, I said, hey, man, I've been working with Jay Slate. You got to go reach out to her. You know, she takes care of all this for me. Now, Q reaches out to you. How does that consultation work? Um, usually, I just kind of ask them what they need. Um, I'll immediately start to kind of brainstorm with them on how we can go from there and then figure out really how much they need me. So, if they want me posting on their social media every day, typically we'll figure out more of like a monthly contract. So they'll just pay me a flat rate for the month um, and I'll just keep, you know, the lights on on their social media, stuff like that. Other times it's more project-based. So if they get traded, I'll help them move. I just get paid for that one thing and then I wait and then if they need something else, they call me and then we go from there. So really figuring out exactly what they need and then figuring out for them what the best way to utilize me is and figure out, you know, a structure from there. But all of it comes down to what they need and how I can be the most helpful to them. So, so each athlete, oh, no, go ahead. That's you. No, I was just going to say, so each athlete has a plan. Per mm-hmm. se. Yeah. Okay. And are you able to like, you don't have to, if you don't want to, are you able to name a few of the athletes that you've been working with in the past? Yeah. So, um, some of my main clients have been, I started with Andre Drummond. He is kind of the reason I was able even able to make this transition um, because I had spoke with him and he said he wanted to start a business. Um, And so I was like, here's the deal. I work for a team. If I leave and start to do this independently, is this something you would, you know, invest in like me as an employee invest in? And he was totally on board. So um, Andre Andre Drummond really got the ball rolling. Um, Another big one is Grant Williams. Um, He again, really believed in me from the beginning. And then recently I've started working with him a lot more, um, formally, mm-hmm. um, Tracy McGrady is probably my, my largest, most consistent client. Um, I help him with his entire ones basketball league. So everything digital, um, go to all their tournaments, That's so cool. edit most of the stuff. They have a documentary team, um, that puts together a lot of stuff, but day to day, the social is all, um, archived iPhone video stuff that I shot at those games stuff I pull from the players and then I edit all that stuff myself. So 
Um, Tracy definitely gave me my biggest project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was one of those projects that I was able to kind of prove to myself what I was capable of. Um, you can talk about like, oh, I can run an entire team or do this stuff as much as you want. Um, but that was the time I stepped back and I was like, oh, I actually did it. <laughs> so um, Tracy McGrady was really big. I work with Tori Craig sometimes. Mm, okay. um, he's local here in Phoenix. And then and we're going to you know dive more into he has a foundation now. And we did some stuff this summer to kind of launch that and what the future that looks like. So and those I got, are kind of my uh, big four. My bad, Q. It's my last Go ahead. One. No, but, it's uh, all you, man. And uh, have you worked with any uh, influencers as well, aside from athletes? Um, Kind of. So I've done some work with... Playmaker, which okay. is a, a media platform. So they have their influencers. Um, they also have started to get into events so mm-hmm. that they're creating their own original content, their own basketball stuff. So I've helped with some of that stuff, um, knowing them, again, from they worked with Tracy McGrady. So mm-hmm. all of that stuff kind of evolves. Um, they have their influencers, so I've helped with, they've done like influencer houses or mm-hmm. tournaments that have influencers hosting them. We also have influencers come to the OBL tournaments for Tracy. So as far as like me running content for influencers, mm-hmm. no, but me being adjacent to them and, you know, coordinating them and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, somewhat. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So one, co- it was really a comment. So <laughs> actually I'll start with the question. You have so much organization that you do. What do you do or do you do anything in your life that has disorganization where you can un like unwind or uncoil and relax? Um no. <laughs> I, really, I really don't. Um so my my I mean we talked about it before my house for the last 5 months was disheveled. So that was probably the disorganization in my life. But no, my free time is again since I don't have like really packed days um, the way you would if in an agency, maybe, um, I will substitute teach in Tempe, um, because I liked school. So, um, I go teach high school students, uh, occasionally just, you know, not for the money, but to get out, to, you know, be in the community (laughs) somewhat, especially since I travel so much, it's nice to kind of like have a regular day every once in a while where I go in at eight and I leave at three 30. Um, it's also fun to talk to the students about what they want to do and, their interests and stuff. Um, what is it that you teach there? Really anything. I try and stick to the English classes because then I can actually help them if I need to. A lot of the other stuff is <laughs> rotting in the back of my brain. Um, but I'll you pick up. I'll calculus. pick up a. I don't. Um, every once in a while, I'll get a math class, a science class, okay. um, sometimes foreign language. But I tend to stick to the English classes. Um, and again, the schools are really cool now because they all have every student has a laptop after covid so it's set up almost to me like college was where if their teacher's gone they have all the folders on their computer that says like this is today's classwork so in a sense it's almost babysitting but in reality for me it is a cool opportunity to to get to meet you know totally different people and and kind of step back and separate myself from like what can be a weird bubble of like professional sports and athletes to kind of be back where like kids are like, wait, have you ever met Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> so it's it's cool to get to see those perspectives. I think you said you did some uh, like no like broadcasting. Yeah. Right. Um, so you've had so much experience, and now as a concierge, what you're offering, I don't know if there's a lot of people, or I mean, I want to say any that have that skill set. Um, and what I was going to say in the time where you mentioned that is is a quote, uh, if I can. Oh, is this another famous it's, philosopher? No, 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 it's <laughs> not. It's, is it 21 Savage? No. <laughs> 21, 20, no, it's not. It's uh, you have a very particular set of skills, skills you've acquired over a very long career. Right. You got it, Martin? Yes. Anybody? No. He's Batman. Taken. Ah, yeah. Oh, I knew it was something violent. What I do have is a very yeah, particular Martin's set of Martin, skills. That's a good movie. But, but that's the point. Is like Drake like last Liam, time. Drake. Yeah, well, we so, still have time. Yeah. In, in Taken, Liam Neeson is on the phone, right? And he says he has a large, he has particular set of skills that he's acquired over a very lar- uh, like long career. Right. So that that's kind of how I thought of like, you know, you started here, did the, and then I'm going to, 
piggyback off that is what was the hardest thing that tested your grit in terms of uh, whether it was an internship or a job that you're like, man, this is just like, it's tough. Um, or maybe so, you didn't have, I don't know. No, definitely. I think a lot, um, it's not so much a particular role, I think, and I don't want to drill on this too much because it definitely gets talked about, but there is, and it, it gets less, you know, the more experience I get, but being a female in the sports mm. space and especially working now with almost not intentionally exclusively male athletes, but that's just kind of, they probably need more than the female athletes. Um, but uh, that I've, you know, multiple times in my career have I had weird interview questions that I know they're not asking, you know, the other males getting interviewed of like, how would you act around a player? And it's like the same way I'd act around any of the other people I work yeah, with. Yeah. Like that's not, not an issue or, right. Or, um, casual stuff like a player will come up and wish me a happy birthday and they're like well, why does he know it's your birthday and I'm like because we work to I'm wearing a crown at work like we work together we are co-workers so small instances like that that to the to the other people might have just been a small remark or something they you know they stick with you and like I said I did spend a lot of my career thinking about um you know what I might be projecting or what I'm concerned about people um, assuming about me, and I got to the point where they're going to make the assumptions whether you're working perfect and you have this, you know, dead social life. You don't do anything. You don't talk to anyone. You don't look in the wrong direction. Um, you dress a certain way. You act a certain way. Um, they're still going to make the choices and decisions they make. Um, so I just decided to, you know, act the way I would because I knew deep down I was never doing anything wrong. I was never being inappropriate or um, acting any different than the other employees. If anything, I was, you know, doing my best to not act that way. So um, I think learning that and kind of coming into the confidence of, like, I belong here, I have the skills to be here, and I'm honestly a lot better suited than some of the people that I work around that I don't need to stop and think about some of the lower opinions of me because that's just going to slow me down. Yeah, I think at the end of the day it's, Whatever your intention is, that's going to show through. At the exactly. End. And I think that's, as I mentioned, some of those skills, the, the ability to be trusted or for them to know you're not going to act like a fan or that they can be comfortable, they can be themselves around you, they can trust you with stuff like giving them, giving you their house key because they need something. Stuff like that that you can't go to school for and you mm -hmm. can know you need to do it, but sometimes it just takes experience or being around people or it's just within people you skills, like what you talked about yeah too. those those intangible work skills are really what can make or break especially in sports where there is so much attention and so many people trying to constantly level up that having those innate people skills i think is a really big deal breaker do you ever have any trouble getting them to show up to things because like for example <laughs> i'm not gonna name them so because we're kind of not saying it's the same what you're doing but we get professional athletes influencers you know artists people actors That's whatever right. it is yeah yeah so some of them like you show up perfectly on the dot or even like dj dj showed up dj was 30 minutes early. i think even earlier than yeah. 30 minutes i felt bad i was no, like man I, but he's like i'm up at 4 30 in the morning he's hey i already had his coffee and everything bro. but um and then other ones i feel like sometimes make themselves seem a little bit busier than they actually are and then they're or they're constantly on the move traveling so to get them to sit down or have that meeting you ever run into that or do you feel like the point that you're at, you don't have, or maybe you started with that, and then now the at the point that you're at with the Slate House, you don't deal with any of that. Um, I think I've been very fortunate. So the guys I work with are just the type of people that are extremely punctual. I think Tracy McGrady, for example, if you're not ten minutes early, you're late, and he will leave you. He will leave his kids. Like he will leave anyone. Like <laughs> like like the if we're going on like a media day. It's already going to be a long day. If we're supposed to leave at 9 a.m., the sprinter is gone at 8.55. So if you are not there to be in that bus, like, he will leave you. Um, so I've been really fortunate that these guys have been really easy to work with. I think 
yes, there's definitely some guys that probably make it seem busier or, you know, just they get to the point where they forget how to respect other people's time. All right, so we have this thing like, you know, cloud and people wanting to be around you because you, you know, because you know these, you know, type of people with their caliber, who they are and, you know, what they can benefit from it. Have you ever like burned bridges or just, you know, being used for like, you know, being put in like those type of situations? Yeah, I think as far as the clout goes, it's the people I'm around. It's not so much, you know, just wanting to be in the room with the athletes mm-hmm. or being fans. No one's asking me to get them autographs or anything. Um, when I've worked for teams, they want tickets. They, you know, will hit me up last minute for really high mm-hmm. key games. But um, typically I tend to be as generous as I can because I know these are really cool experiences that I get to do. And, you know, I don't want to do them alone, but um, I also want to be able to return the favor to, you know, my friends and family who I'm not around a lot. So Mm -hmm. when I can take my mom to game five of the finals, that's a really big deal. And, you know, she'll look at me and be like, did you know this is Marcus Smart's aunt? And I'm like, yes, like (laughs) (laughs) we're in the family section. But like she to her to get to be, you know, with her family in a family section, it's, it's a cool opportunity. On the flip side, though, um, I tend to get, you know, at least in my experience, I've been used a lot more for, like, opportunities. So Mm -hmm. I'm around people who have access to athletes, but I can put them in the position to get a new job or to meet somebody Mm -hmm. that can be an investor, whatever it may be. And I love to – I want to be that plug. I want to bring people to these events where they can, you know, connect and network because I've been so fortunate to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it I did have to kind of do on my own. So if I can make that easier for other people, I try. But it's definitely come back to where I've given people opportunities and, you know, they have tried to take advantage of the athletes they're with Mm -hmm. or they haven't, you know, done their job. They're like, oh, this is great. I have this now. And then they don't actually perform Mm -hmm. at the level that they said they could. So stuff like that where I really – like believe everyone has good intentions or they, you know, they want to. Um, It's just, it doesn't always work out that way. So I've had to learn to kind of judge people a little bit or at Mm -hmm. least be precautious about it. For sure. Um, And with, you know, stuff that really only impacts me or might blow back on me, I tend to be more generous because, Mm -hmm. you know, if I miss an opportunity because I put somebody on that was willing to step on me to get the role or whatever it may be, I'll bounce back. Like, it's fine. Um, with my players, I get a lot more protective. So you get, you know, one strike to move weird around them or try and take advantage of them, and mm-hmm. then I will find somebody else that can do it. So um, I'm a lot less generous as yeah. far as – because they really trust me to not take advantage of them mm-hmm. and to be reliable and to be trustworthy. And so, um, you know, the people that become an extension of me around them, um, I hold to those same standards. Yeah, and I think that speaks – volumes about you you have a big heart you give the benefit of the doubt um and you know the good intentions are always going to show through at the end of the day but it's cool that you're the type of person to plug people because i know people personally that they won't because they're afraid that's going to ru- ruin the relationship with the athlete or artist or whoever whatever famous person that is so for you to do that i mean that's awesome of you not a lot of people are willing to do that yeah. but i think it also shows that you have a great support system you have a really good judge of character. Um, you know, when you're talking to someone, I can see you analyzing everything about them <laughs> and knowing is this person, you know, does this person also have good intentions? Are they going to make me look bad? Because as you said, they're going to be an extension of you and you want the extension of you to look good as well. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there is the quote, I don't know who it's by, but it's about like other people winning doesn't mean I'm also not winning. And so, um, you know, someone else finding success is not a loss for me. Um, and so, you know, people performing well, yes, I like, you know, it's great if that reflects well on me that I put somebody on that then helps someone else. But I'm a lot less concerned with the reflection of it than like the impact of it, that I'm able to put people in the position to win and continue to a lot of times help women in sports or um, help different people that might not have ever been in those rooms where I can bring them up and um, put them into positions to win, you know, that is a win for me. It just, you know, isn't packaged the same as what a traditional win might look like. I think that's cool because, like, 
you know, a lot of people aren't that open as far as like, you know, putting someone on or like plugging them in with like their connections. Like I can speak for oh, like oh, no hella people, and he's like very like generous with like who he knows and things like that, and even myself. But you know, when I say this is like because of what you're doing, you're actually giving someone an opportunity. And, like, you're not really caring about, like, what comes with it. Like, you're doing it because you have a good heart compared to someone who's, like, in that position. Like, like no, like, you got to get it on your own. Like, I had to get it, like, how I can. Like, I'm not trying to help you. So I think that's that speaks very highly of who you are as a person. So, like, you know, kudos to you for even, you know, doing that. So you mentioned uh, journalism and having spent time and, and doing that. You studied journalism then? Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm going to make the assumption you read books? Yes. <laughs> you want to give us like uh what do you typically read? Yeah, so um it's definitely there's really only two categories of books I read. I'll read okay. kind of historical related books. Um so my favorite of that is uh the Malcolm X autobiography. It's my favorite book ever. Um I think everyone should have to read it, but um definitely in like historical um context um, and then I also read a lot of, like, crime books. So um, anything by Megan Miranda, she has All the Missing Girls, which is, like, written in reverse. So even if you don't really like reading, which, like, when I was growing up, I was really good at reading, but I didn't like it. And I think a huge part of that was, like, I was in a TV family, so my parents weren't, like, concerned about me reading because they, they knew I was keeping up in school. But her book's really good for anyone. One, because it's crime, so it's interesting and compelling, but... The, the way it's written and reversed where you know the crime and then you're figuring out all the pieces backwards I think is really cool. Um, and then, of course, I read sports books. So that kind of falls into the history because I'm typically reading biographies. Um, Kareem's Coaching Me is a really good one about him and Wooden. Um, one of my favorite sports books is uh, Boys Among Men. So it's about all of the prep-to-pro players. So the Tracy McGrady's, the Kobe Bryant's, the LeBron James, um, and then also the players that didn't make it. So the guys who did get swallowed up by the system and couldn't handle being 18 with a huge salary and every family member trying to, you know, live off of them. So getting to see, you know, how these 18-year-olds transitioned, where it took them, um, where it didn't take them, that's one of my favorite books as well. I know off-camera you mentioned that you're not, like, that's what you usually read and you're not – too much into like the self-help books. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I want to give a suggestion if you'll take it. Um, Atomic Habits yeah. by James Clear. I think that's... I, we've talked about it before. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a... You and Troy. Yeah, really, really good book. Definitely. Um, and I definitely double up on your Malcolm X um, autobiography book yeah. as well. And it's... I won't... Because I'm... A lot of the books I'm reading aren't like super dense. It is a dense... Like the words are small... Um, Alex Haley, who, you know, helped write it, it's, you need to take your time to, like, digest it. So mine, like, looks like I had to study it. Like, I have notes in it. Right, because, like, there was so much to learn about it. And I think if you get hung up on, like, his politics or the religion of things and you're not listening to, like, the social messages, you're missing Mm. such a huge part of it. And then, to me, the most interesting was, like, his childhood and his life before he became this profound public figure all of that stuff leading up to it, um, working on trains, um, being in Harlem, all that stuff I think is really should be critical for people to learn and kind of better understand American history. That, that's a great point that you mentioned. Seriously. The political um, stuff and the religious stuff, like that's one caveat of this immensely, like he had so much depth to him as a person so the social aspect is like to me what stands out above all everything else absolutely and then obviously his religious and political views which had a change and which also changed his social outlook yeah uh on things and um the need to speak up because we had mentioned before speaking up now and certain things social things that i mean things that are posted on social media the Kyrie irving thing and education that needs to happen and how now there's cancel culture that's a little bit more prevalent yeah. um, for people speaking up and uh, Andrew Tate um, and a lot of other stuff like that. So um, definitely a good book to read. Well, and I think it's really interesting and not to really take sides on anything, but I would, it would be very interesting in retrospect had guys like 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had social media, people who were really politically active, that you are just, you know, tweeting out things or posting things. And a lot of time it's in pursuit of education or about learning about different people. But sometimes in the process of posting, it's not clear that you're trying to learn. And so the guys now really get targeted for that. But that's always been a thing is athletes and just humans trying to learn about other people and other cultures and stuff. And so now it's on social media and it makes it a lot easier to um, jump on people or form opinions on people. But um, I think, you know, at least in my world, professional athletes pursuing education and a difference in opinion and different religions and stuff is not new. It's just public now. Absolutely. And that Coach and Me book is a really good one because – Wooden had a vastly different religion than Kareem, and he brought in Luel Sindor, who then became Kareem under his coaching. So he got to be a part of that whole transition for Kareem, and that book does a really good job of showcasing kind of how vastly different people learned from each other um, and were able to, you know, not stop in their tracks or block each other out, but build those bridges and, you know, grow from it. Kareem has always been a thinker. Totally. Yeah. And scholar for yeah, sure. Yeah. hundred percent. And you don't back then when he's in the prime of his career, you might not know it unless you're observing him or hearing certain interviews. Whereas like you said, today, social media, someone he, just imagine if that was, if the social media era was here or that back then or vice versa, they were here now. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of guys that would get in trouble or yeah, arenas. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, or even Michael Jordan, you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the golden child or whatever. Um, but that's a huge thing. I love me personally. I, I like to get behind reading uh, and expanding my mind and talking to people that are different. Um, totally. Even if it's like a gross concept, not gross in that sense, but in an abstract sense yeah. from my beliefs. I enjoy that because that's growth. It's it's. I want to hear this percep, um, you, how you perceive things, your culture, whatever. Um, so the, whenever I see an athlete who's like a thinker and who's trying to get into like, I want to learn about these people. I want to learn about this time in history. I think it's amazing. And I think one thing some people overlook that I really value is when you're learning about those things, sometimes it's not to learn and appreciate them necessarily, but to learn about them so that you know more about what you believe in. Mm -hmm. So I've now learned about this and it strengthens my opposite belief. But if I didn't learn about it, I might not even know that. And I think a lot of it's not going to be stuff we experience, but you know, I'm very big on, you know, pursuing knowledge. And I grew up in somewhat of a sheltered community in a sheltered high school where, you know, we were learning going back to like the books of like, we learned the one version of, history with MLK and the I have a dream and obviously that's great but then you kind of get like this dark side of Malcolm X that he's like this villain so and when I was able to go search for the information myself not going into it with oh he's going to be the antagonist of this whole social justice movement and actually learn about him as a person and not just like seven years of his life where he's part of one political movement I think you're able to then kind of learn more about who you are and what your values are, even if some of the things he did are not things I would do or things I would support. But you can, you know, take things from people and stuff like that. And I think that pursuit of education is um, a lot more important than maybe what you take away from it. And to piggyback off that and rewinding back to the self-help, mm -hmm. you know, I think everyone needs like self-help because – when you work on yourself, that's how you grow. If you don't work yeah. on yourself, Facts. there's always room, uh, room for every little part of you to grow, get better, or improve. You know, right. um, and there's a healthy way to have a conversation about things. Like me and you might not agree or see eye to eye on the same things, but there's a way we can have a conversation about. It. Just like how you talked about. <laughs> hey, chill, <Just> chill. <laughs> not, <laughs> the tech, <laughs> not the tech, please. Not the tech, please. No, see, but there's, there's honestly stuff, man. kind of what you, uh, Jay Slate was talking about. <laughs> uh, how, you know, talking to someone might strengthen your own beliefs. It's at least hearing the other side and having an open mind instead of being ignorant about it. Exactly. And those kind of things... You know, as long as you speak like adults and it's not an argument, you can really learn from one another. Yeah. And if anything, 
you just learn a new perspective, um, you know, of a person, of a culture, of an identity that you might not have known otherwise. It doesn't mean you have to now cling mm. to it or become yeah. part of it. Sorry, T, that's the Malcolm X in me. Uh, no. Continue. Okay. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let it slide. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> one, one thing I can I can say just from having this conversation with you, uh, I can tell that, you know, you're always, like, filling yourself with knowledge. Like, you, you're never content, like, uh, you're always reading, you're always looking to, like, find ways to become a better person. And I think just kind of, like, just to piggyback a little bit off what you're saying, like, it's never uh, too late to, you know, learn anything new or, you know, based off, like, information that we were given. Like, even myself, like, you know, you grow up in, like, you're, you're brought, you, grow, you grow up and you're brought into this household of being given certain information, but not everyone has the right answer, you know? So, like... You know, but what you're saying, I think, is very important for others to maybe even learn from. Like, don't be too quick to go off what other people feed you as far as information, because no one has the, the answer. You know, you might want to seek that answer yourself just to get a better perspective. So I, I give you uh, props for that, because that's, that's very important. Yeah, I think I think it's easy to, you know, one, to just jump on people for having a different opinion. And some opinions are kind of unforgivable. But yeah. in, in <laughs> most senses, I do really believe in like a lot of the stuff I learned I had to go out of my way to learn them or learn about even just different foods or mm -hmm. something simple that's not polarizing but like my mom is only going to be cooking a certain variety of meals so if I want to try something else and try it properly I'll have to go to a different type of restaurant or stuff like that and being able to ask questions or just have the ability to like learn and like find information I think is um, invaluable and, you know, only can make your life experience better. So I think you have gained this um, skill from the different positions you've been in, in through journalism, broadcasting, having to analyze things. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, from the time I've spent talking to you, you've also had you also have this appreciation of how athletes let's take example the nba right how nba athletes study their own game and improve incrementally or the mindset one athlete has over another athlete um and i know you said you even if you watch baseball games and stuff you tend to start scribbling like stats and, yeah. and take no so and I don't even want to get into this stat taking about baseball, but uh, I'm a big basketball junkie and I do kind of the same thing. So it's only right that we land here now with a question of if you have top five all time um, that would play with each other on the same court. So they'd have to mesh. Right. Who are you picking? So, again, it's not going to be one. I don't really think there's like a a set top five. Like, I don't think there's some, like, golden rule of, like, the top five. Um, I think there's definitely people that aren't top five. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, for me, so I know s certain people that are going to be in that top five are not – they're the best players, but they're not the easiest to play with. And so, for me, at the one, a lot of people aren't even putting Steph Curry top ten, period. Um, I'm putting him at the one in my top five because – He's a phenomenal shooter, but more than anything, his off-the-ball game is just so impressive to me. I, like, I could watch him all day, uh, draw the defense. Like, his movement is just impeccable, and he really understands the overall um, the game and the spacing and stuff that I think he would then work really well with Kobe at the two and MJ at the three um, as far as ball distribution. If they need him to shoot, he can shoot. I think that's... A, whole, a big reason Golden State has been successful at all is they have so many guys that they can shoot if they need to, but they don't have to. And so him being kind of the king of that court, he would be great at the one. Um, I'm putting Kobe at the two. I w would put Kobe at all five positions <laughs> if I could. She's a Kobe um, fan. But, and then we'll put MJ at three oh, just yeah. based off of over the two, his physicality of the game. Um, over Kobe, obviously, you know, Kobe will fi fight with the, the best of them. But um, I'll put MJ at three. Um, to me, four is the most flexible in, like, who I might put there. But it would be wrong not to put LeBron somewhere on the court. So we'll put him at the four. 
Um, again, like you wanted to go KD so bad. <laughs> I do like KD. Um, but LeBron really does have such a high IQ of the game oh, yeah. and like court vision that there might be guys that I think might move the ball differently. But I do think in general, um, he's not known for being a role player, but I do think like with that level, that caliber of player, he could really like find his space. Um, and then at the five, I have to go with Kareem. And that's based off of the rest of these guys really are, you know, I'm picking them because of, like, their skill, their finesse. So you have the guys like Shaq who are once-in-a-lifetime players that could bully the ball through the paint all day. Um, if we're picking top five, you, you can't not think about free throws. But you also, <laughs> to me... <laughs> Especially, like, if they're playing now and half of this team is a modern team, it's not going to be the same level of physicality as the first half of the NBA's history. So you don't need the most physical player, but you do need somebody who can just continue to help these guys score when they do get the ball to the paint. And I think that Kareem really just has a great understanding and finesse of the game. He's got kind of both. Like, yeah. he was physical at Oh, the for time. sure. And then the other time, that just, that damn... Skyhawk. And it looked like he was dancing, like he's a ballerina, just you. And know, that was, was great. that was that was Finesse developed that you're at about. UCLA with women. You're not blocking that. That's not. Uh, Wilt did, but I mean, <laughs> uh, other than you know, another phenom that is slept on. Um, yeah, not very many people were, yeah, and yeah, the longevity of his career. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And he's at the top of the scoring list mm-hmm. for a reason. I mean, yeah, yeah, 20 years, but that move, you don't need to be the most athletic. You don't need to be that, but he took advantage of his length. So that's something that's there. Totally. Um. So what do you guys think about the list? I think it's a solid list. You I gotta, think it's yeah. a solid list, too. I got to ask. Yeah. You're a Kobe fan. Mm-hmm. Kobe or Jordan? Kobe. Tay, Kobe or Jordan? Taking uh, honestly, don't ask me that. No, nah, no, nah, you have to answer for the people. Let the people know. What's your opinion? Taking Mello. <laughs> Dang. You forgot about defense. I love Mello. Well, so, if he scored all five, they won't, you know, they're not going to be back on defense. Maybe his best defense uh, was his offense. T-Max OBL rules does not make it ticket, so you have to play Oh, yeah, defense. I did see. I see. Uh, so, again, Kobe or Jordan? Um... He already said Kobe earlier. He can't. I'm taking it, Kobe, bro. You're taking Kobe? Yeah, Kobe. Me, I'm a huge Kobe fan. I idolized him growing up. Like everything I did, not necessarily even in sports, but the way he approached things, that's who I looked up to. Whether it's academics, whether it's mm. video games, whatever the case is, I wanted to be the best at. Like I'm, I'm a. You know me. I'm a sore loser. I hate. You. We could play big Batman. time. We can play Batman in 2K, whatever it is. I got Even stories. Say something, you say. We he don't need to put me on blast right now. You want to say something smart right now. <laughs> no, nah, I was going to say it. But for me, even if it's something that I've never even picked up before, I just like to win. And that's I feel like part of that is because me obsessing over Kobe's game, mm. um, it comes from that. I have that killer mentality where I want to be so good at something where other people, like, for example, we play 2K. Jay Slay, I don't know if you play 2K at all. But we don't. But uh, I'm trying to win by 50. I don't care. Me, I want to win so bad that the other team thinks about uninstalling the game and not ever playing <laughs> like, Or invites you to a party I'm and tells crazy. you you're not good, even though you dropped him off for 38. Yeah. But uh, as big of a Kobe fan I am, I have to go MJ because Kobe emulated his game over yeah. MJ. I'm going MJ too. I think I don't have to give a reason, but I will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not so bad, but yeah, no, it's not. Listen, <laughs> not I, I grew up watching much, Shaq though. in the paint. You got, I, I'm a lot of power and a lot of finesse too. You got to transition between the two. You feel me? So no, Jordan, I'm not, I'm not because good. you will if we play, I'm gonna post you up, bro. Pause. Uh, so, <laughs> so Jordan, because I kind of, you know, I grew up watching Kobe. I didn't grow up watching Jordan. It was at the tail end of his career, like Wizards. I got to see him. And I'm like, prime. okay, he's different. He's yeah. Prime. yeah, yeah, <laughs> snatch blocking, but yeah, exactly. He's after prime, after prime, prime. But he's still better than probably eighty percent of the players in the oh, league yeah. at the time. Um, but watching Kobe develop that killer mindset, 
And knowing in his rookie year when he's wearing the Jordan jersey, uh, I'm like, hold on a second. All right, Jordan. So naturally I go to film and reading books and watching and studying Jordan's game. And then the interviews after, years after, and all these stories. And I'm like, oddly enough, when I would play pickup game or in like travel leagues, I used to pick on the smallest, weirdest things to motivate myself, and I never told a soul, and it motivated me big time. You took it personally. I took it very personally. <laughs> I did, <laughs> and I took that personally. <laughs> um, but I really did, and I didn't. Ha- I thought it was. I didn't even think of it, and then when that discussion came up between friends, it was weird. It was like I felt like outcast. Like if I say it, it makes me weird. It makes me petty. Like, off the court, it's cool. You know, I don't care. Hey, what's up, man? But on the court, I'm like, oh, he got the Nike Elite socks. Oh, he got the Kobe's. I want those. You know what? He's not better than me. All right, come on. I'm going to embarrass you. It was like weird stuff like that. The thing about Q is he always plays a game within a game to challenge I always do, and people laughed at me for it. And then all of a sudden, Jordan's, uh, um, uh, what was that? The documentary comes out, and he said, Oh, yeah, it's a game within a game. I clipped it, and I sent to the guys that were laughing at me. And I'm like, hey, Bro, keep just this. Like, <laughs> you were saying the guys, like, I'm not sitting right, right here next to you. I'm not saying Kobe wouldn't be who he was, regardless of whether Michael Jordan was there or whoever. He had that obsession with the game and that psychoness to where I'm going to be the best no matter who it was. But the only reason I was putting MJ is because they have the same play style. It's the same thing. So it's like, we're well, going to put the guy who did it first. That's my only. But I still love Kobe. I mean, if you ask me kind of the same what you did, I'm taking both of them. I have to take both of them. Which is why I said I'm taking Melo when you ask that question. But <laughs> uh, no Jordan. But anyway, don't, I'll hop across this table right now, bro. <laughs> Jordan. Jordan. You can't, bro. You're Achilles. Uh, yeah, you're right. You go yeah. hobble. Next year. Next year. Next year. <laughs> now, okay, so kind of like just to piggyback a little bit, like you mentioned how uh, Jordan took bits and pieces, Kobe. And that, like, not only that fault, like, I feel like in the industry, whether it's sports, music, acting, or whatever the case may be, everyone is stealing. Well, not stealing, like. I guess you can't say stealing. Everyone is taking something from someone because, like, everyone admires what they're doing. And, like, we're working with what's standing out at the moment. So what's trending is, like, or like I love podcasts. I'm always watching podcasts every day. I played basketball for a very long time, college pro. So I'm always, I steal from that. I steal from, like, podcasts. And when I say steal from podcasts, I'm taking ideas. Just like how Kobe talked about how he wanted to develop a strong post game because when he first got into the league, he didn't really have one because he was fragile. I didn't think I knew that. Anyway, so my, my point is, is like it's it's a great it's it's great because it makes it competitive. So by us like taking from other people, it makes the game so much competitive. Like Curry, he's the best shooter in the league. Now everyone's shooting threes. Shaq, when he first got in the league, it was all about power and you know trying to fuck the rim up. That that's the White Howard. You know what I mean? So it's just like I feel like that's that's key right there. But uh, yeah. I can go on and on for that. But um, have you done, like, any uh, recent podcast interviews? Not recently. So um, since I've been, you know, working on my own, I haven't really – I really haven't had much to say, like, publicly as far as, like, what I'm doing. Um, But prior to that, I was doing podcasts back when I was in journalism. So I was Mm -hmm. doing a lot of the analysis and breaking down draft picks and – what my top five were and the analysis of that. And as somebody who didn't play basketball, it was a really big deal to me to do that research. Mm -hmm. And when I'm doing play by play, when I'm doing um, analysis to have not only my facts straight on just the history of the sport, because you can learn the history, but to study the film and know the plays and, you know, I'm not going to go into a gym and practice basketball Mm -hmm. and, you know, execute the plays. But I do know in general, like, a lot of the fundamentals that go into developing Mm -hmm. this stuff so that not only am I learning it and, you know, again, going to what we were talking about before, but just expanding my knowledge of things, but two, I'm around these people that are putting in all this work and I've said it on podcasts before, I've said it in interviews. To me, I always try to put in as much effort to working with athletes as athletes put into being athletes. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have 
you know, I don't have practice, but I have like my studying, my, my prep for the game. Then you have your actual games where I'm sitting here getting the media content or um, writing articles or helping people. And that's kind of my game. And then you have your post game of like organizing it all and figuring mm-hmm. out what to get better on the next time you, you know, work a charity mm-hmm. event or something. So putting in that same effort and commitment to whatever my role may be in the same way that the athletes I'm working with put mm-hmm. it into, you know, their day-to-day roles. For sure. Definitely. That's dope. I want to pee back on No, just <laughs> before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask. This is usually Tay's question, so I'm stealing from you. Oh, yeah, go ahead. See, see, see what I'm saying? My point exactly. Um, is there anyone that uh, you could see from Arizona uh, that could be on this podcast that you think would be a really good fit? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, again, there's the athletes I work with, especially with the, you know, what did you do to get here? Energy is like, I work with Tori Craig. He has one of the most sensational stories of any athlete I've heard. And plenty of athletes have so many great stories, but like, it's one of those that like, you could go your whole life knowing him. And there are people that have gone their whole life knowing him and didn't know his story. And so, um, you know, he's somebody that I think, yeah, yeah, he's um, where he's gotten and everything he's accomplished is so miraculous to me and impressive and beyond well-deserved. Um, but there's also people that are not the star athletes. Um, guys like I work with Jeremy McPeak. He does digital media on an even higher level than me. And he's been somebody that's gotten me a lot of these opportunities. He's hired me and entrusted me with the Fiesta Bowl and the Cheese It Bowl. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've gotten to learn from him. But even when I was just oh, like 23 years old, he's having me come into his college classes at ASU to talk to the students, to give them real-world experience on what it's like to be 23 and starting in an industry. So he's somebody that I think I kind of took, like we were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. took something from and that I really enjoy giving back opportunities and helping people because mm-hmm. I've seen him do that to me. Um, and tough. he's in Arizona. He does stuff with football and WWE and so many different things that um, – and he's had such a different path. He worked for the Phoenix Suns. He was a vice president. He works now for himself, um, working for huge industries. So, um, you know, Phoenix, I think, gets slept on a lot. Um, and especially as someone from California where I'm biased towards Los Angeles or even, you know, the Bay Area. Phoenix definitely has its talent both in athletes with all the major professional sports, um, but also in creatives and um, sports business people either working directly for the teams um, or, you know, creating their own paths in the way that I did. That's awesome. Tori I, I love that suggestion. Yeah. Tori Craig. Yeah. We were, we were in contact with Ish. Ish. Uh, love yeah, Ish. But yeah. he's right now, you know, rest in peace. His father yeah. just yeah. passed yeah. away. Rest so peace, yeah. that interview is going to hold off for a little bit. Um, but, but that, Craig, that goes to show you, um, I think a lot of times people think like, um, ben Simmons, Kawhi Leonard, they all get all of this hate for being human. And then it's like, oh, we want to get Ish on our podcast. Well, Ish has real life stuff going on. Yeah. They all have real life stuff going on. And yeah. just because we see them on TV for 82 games a year, um, see them in the playoffs, or that their you know, kids are in public, they're still real people with real family things and real yeah. um, all kinds of stuff going on that um, to me, I'm constantly reminded that like it is okay to have issues or to have a different stuff going on because they have them going on too. And if they can get through them and, you know, still be so successful and contribute to whatever their role is, um, the rest of us can, you know, take the time that we need to when we need to, and then step back when it's time to. So I think I just heard um, an endorsement from Jay Slate for, Tory Craig to, oh, yeah. to pull up. That would be awesome. Tory Let's make Craig, it happen. Make I, it I'm happen. not setting it up. you got to get him yourself. <laughs> but. She's like, I'm yeah. done setting it up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it happen. I'm a plug, I, but I'm not that big of a plug. No, absolutely. The, the dude that, the uh, shout out to Tev. He uh, does all like the mobile car washes for the whole Suns team. So we're going to have to. Yeah, hey, really we enjoyed this. You too. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Thank You're you. amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Especially when a little bit longer than we had anticipated. No problem. But if there's anything we could ever do in return, feel free to reach out. Um, and then if you want to drop your socials to the Slate House and your personal. Yeah. You know, um, so that way we can put that in the text and everything. Yeah, no, I mean, 
anything personal is just the J Slate um, website, social media, all of that. Um, and then my business stuff is under the Slate House. Um, again, that's kind of a formality, but to me, that's what serves as almost a resume. So I'll post, you know, my guys' um, accomplishments, some of our business stuff. If I start working with new guys, that'll be on there. Um, contacting me is probably easier on my personal stuff, but I think I could be wrong. But when I was looking at y'all social, I think I'm the first girl female you've had. Female, yeah. yeah. So that's fun for me. Yeah. And because I actually wanted to see if you know any other because fe- uh, we have some other women that are booked, but mm-hmm. they're out of like there's a girl that I know she was in the Olympics, mm-hmm. but she's not in town till December. So it's kind of working with those schedules. And then yeah. some of them that are in L.A. right now. So do you know have any other female recommendations? Yeah. In, that are in Phoenix. I mean, we do have some really good women's teams. I don't, I don't know how you can get down at Trossi, but there's definitely. I mean, there's some, there's some really good female athletes. Um, ASU women's basketball has some phenomenal mm-hmm. people, um, and their coaching staff is phenomenal. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it doesn't um, necessarily have to be athletes. Yeah. It could totally. Be and then, um, I mean, the Suns social media team is, I want to say at least half, if not predominantly female, and they. All of those women do a great job. Um, so we'll be in more. I, touch I can about give that. you all a list. Yeah, we'll appreciate, <laughs> it. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for breaking the mold. The first, uh, you know, woman on our podcast, yeah, definitely, and one of the few women to do what you're doing. Uh, and that's awesome. Thank Hopefully you. Hopefully, not yeah, the last. So. No, Talk. pave the way. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. Game changer. We actually were getting like comments about it. Like, hey, are you guys going to ever have any like females on your podcast? So appreciate it's a special you for episode. That. Yeah, and I think. You know, I do get a very unique perspective, and I think I have a totally different, appropriate, but totally different relationship with the athletes because, one, they can confide in me or ask me questions and not be worried about, like, oh, this guy, like, the judgment that men give other men, and that's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. But, like, they are able to ask me the small stuff or they, you know, don't feel weird having me organize their closets for them or move their stuff because you know, it's just kind of that role and that maternal stuff, but just the general, some of those female skills that we traditionally learn just in society that, like, I don't even realize I know, but, like, they, I think they've ended up being a pretty good strength for me. So that's awesome. it's fun. Men are not organized. Yeah. That's just a fact. <laughs> I guess I'm an exception. <laughs> I would say I'm organized. All right, that's a wrap, man, for the podcast. We out.